the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. For sports fans, there's no better place to get breaking news, real time commentary, and powerful stories than The Athletic. With comprehensive coverage and insightful analysis built around your teams, including the Rams, the Lions, the Mets, the Angels, Barcelona, FC Barcelona. All teams we're going to get to today in a jam-packed weekend of sports. My goodness, are the storylines writing themselves. Download the app, follow your favorite teams and leagues, and get a personalized feed of exclusive ad-free content. For access to all the stories at the heart of the game, visit theathletic.com slash spottrack, S-P-O-T-R-A-C, and get 40% off your first year subscription today. My name is Mike Giannetti. Happy Sunday afternoon. It's about 5 p.m. Eastern. Jared Goff has been traded to the Lions. Matthew Stafford is now a Los Angeles Ram. There's plenty of implications there, including some trickle-down to the rest of the league, which I'm going to get to with Scott. We're also going to talk Lionel Messi. If you didn't see this report today, uh, Lionel Messi's contract is out in the public, thanks to a local newspaper. And uh, some of those details are eye-popping. So we're going to talk about that a little bit and compare it to some of the American side things, which is really no competition. And then some baseball, uh, a big trade there as well. One of the top five productive players in the league, Nolan Arenado, on the move, reportedly not yet processed, but there's a lot of contract negotiation, renegotiation, movement, amendments that are, that appear to be coming with this. So Scott and I are going to break that down as well. And then, oh, by the way, speaking of deals, Major League Baseball trying to finalize a labor deal for the 2021 season that makes some amendments to that as well, possibly pushes the season back. Scott's got some details on that to finish off this show. So we kind of bounce around a bit, but it is jam-packed with details. And of course, if you have any questions, visit me on Twitter at SpotTrack, S-P-O-T-R-A-C. Today's episode is also brought to you by the Online Betting Guide. Do you consider yourself an NBA expert, knowledgeable in stats, trends, plays, and injuries? Prove your skills against other knowledgeable basketball fans at OLBG.com's NBA Pick'em Contest. It's free to enter. Share your picks, win cash prizes. OLBG.com is a sports betting community where expert handicappers share their predictions while competing for top place in the leaderboard and at the same time helping others make informed betting decisions. Show them what you got today. Visit OLBG.com. Joined on the OLBG hotline by Scott Allen. Scott, I don't know why we're doing this. There's really nothing to talk about today. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, that's an overstatement. Baseball or football, sir? Where do you want to kick this off? There's plenty to get to. Uh, let's go to football. Which one? <laughs> American yeah, or European? Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> let's go messy. Yeah. Go something different. So a, a Barcelona newspaper, can you even imagine? A Barcelona newspaper published Lionel Messi's contract on the yeah. front page. I mean... I know what we're doing is a little skeptical for some people, like putting people, you know, player salaries and things like that out there, livelihoods out there. That is something. I can't even imagine the New York Times putting Tom Brady's contract on on A one, <laughs> you know, spelling out all the intricacies. Um, I just can't imagine. But different world, different places. So you know that here we are. It's awesome for us. It's super. It's super interesting to talk about. Um, and I don't even think it's being reported properly. So I got a couple of push notifications about this thing this morning while I was skiing that basically said this is a $600 million contract. The way that I interpret this thing, Scott, and I don't know if you've read this thing and translated to, to some degree, that's the base. 
And Lionel Messi ain't right. the base of anything. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of incentives to well, increase things from what I read. Right off the bat, because he was threatening to leave. This was this this was signed in November of 2017. It's a four-year contract, so it's going to expire. It's set to expire after this this current season. So it's timely that, that this comes out and we get to talk about it because he is, I don't know, either, either he's retiring and this is going to be his parting shot or... He's, I think he's for sure le- leaving Barcelona because he tried last offseason. So there's some sort of next step transition with his career. And, you know, I'm not going to put it past his agency being the one putting this in the paper saying, hey, this is where we are now. So wherever we're going next, <laughs> you know, this is the this is the floor now for where we're going next. Um, I, that, I wouldn't put it past that. I mean, we've seen tons of agents do things like that around here. So. $140 million signing bonus in, in November of 2017. What does that do for you, Scott? Uh, <laughs> I, I would love to have that. <laughs> I put a That's note good. here. It's There's only four current NFL contracts that are larger than that bonus that Messi received. Yeah. That, that, that signing bonus has to be far and above the largest signing bonus ever contracted, I would think, right? I mean, for a team sport. You know, I'm sure like boxers yeah. and those types of individual sports, they get those kind of things all the time from sponsorships, you know, right. to basically say, you know, wear me at the at the at the way off and this will be your initial fight bonus, whatever it is. And then if you win, it's doubled or whatever. I'm sure those kind of things exist in those smaller singular sports. But yeah, for a team sport, you know, and this isn't basketball <laughs> where there's 12 men on the roster, you know, these these some of these soccer slash football teams are carrying 23 active players. So the fact that Messi, and I'll, and I'll spell it out for you here, gets 140 off the top, gets almost 95 if he remains with Barcelona for four years. Basically, it's if you come back every year, you'll get a $95 million active roster bonus one time. So right off the bat, he's at 240, doing nothing, just showing up to work. Get Day one signing bonus and just being a part of the squad for four years, or 200. $240 million. Now we get into the, the, the more of, you know, the annual salary. And, you know, generally these footballers are, are paid week in terms of weekly wage, which we sort of track from an EPL standpoint, an MLS standpoint. And, you know, they're upwards of 250, 300,000 euros a week. G- really good coin. And, and obviously there's a lot of sponsorships that are involved, marketing that's involved that's sort of outside of that world. This is just to play football for Barcelona. On, if he hit every incentive, right? If he hit every goal incentive, playing time incentive, whatever it is, I'm sure that you know it's all the standard stuff. It's a hundred and sixty-seven million dollars a year as the base salary. And the reports in this piece say he's hit about ninety to ninety-two percent of those the first three seasons. So let's just project he hit ninety percent all four seasons. That's $850 million mm. from the base salaries, the roster bonus, and the signing bonus over a four-year span. $850 million. That's, that's wow. insane. That is. I, that, that's ap- he, this is a team sport. Uh, and there's reports that Neymar sitting next to him on his right probably makes about half of this. So you're talking well over a billion dollars for two goal scorers on Barcelona's squad right now. And they're billions in debt, and that's why this is becoming a story because they're, you know, they are not as they seem. There's a lot of, 
sort of background financing and, and some shady marketing sponsorships going on. I mean, this is FIFA as a whole. Let's 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 put that out there. But you know, they're they're somewhat broke, and the fact that Messi has is going to go next year, most likely, is going to be bad news from them from a marketing standpoint. So if they're going to look to recoup this, they might be in some serious serious trouble. But how about not paying one guy $850 million? Uh, he's a heck of a player. Yeah. I enjoy watching him thoroughly. I mean, he is just brilliant, but that is just something. That number is something. What are your thoughts here? Yeah, um, astounding. I, you made the comment of, you know, maybe it's his agent putting it out. Sure. But I saw a report that came out that he's actually going to be suing over the contract being released. So he wanted to be released this year, Scott. He didn't want to play there anymore this year, and he thought there was an opt-out, and they took him to court for it. Yeah, you're right. That's a big part of this. So he, he's not happy. But I'm saying, they're probably but I'm not happy, the, but they're paying the a lot. That it was, but I'm saying the fact that it was leaked, I don't think it was his agent leaking it to the media because if he was – taking legal action and it's good the, the way that i read it was he, he wants to take legal action against the mm-hmm. spanish outlet not the 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 team or the he's suing uh, the newspaper you're saying right yeah. so with that being said I, I don't think it would be his agent but the fact that you know that much money and like you said that that's why they aren't able to necessarily compete and we see this with other sports teams in, in the United States itself where you know the teams that have spent an arm and a leg on certain players they just haven't been able to get over the threshold of winning the championship or anything like that now to put that into context as far as context as far as 850 million what that means a Rod is the highest for our sports over here, and yeah. he made four hundred and fifty-five million dollars over twenty some seasons. So, you know, it um, it, it's just astounding. When I saw that come out, came out, I was just like, I had to double double blink at it because I was just like, oh my god, this is just insane. We talk about, and you've talked about for years about you know, do the short contract do a short high contract with an AAV of like 40 million for two years, yeah. you know, that's what like that. this is not, not, <laughs> not 168 million per year for four years. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Look, I, I mean, it's tough to argue. Uh, I mean, if you go to the FC Barcelona page, just on Wikipedia and you go down to the honors, the championships, you can't even understand it. That's how many there are there. You have to, you have to like take a moment and look to understand just how much they've freaking won. Now, it's been a couple of years. It's been a minute, you know, and, and that's kind of why, I mean, they, they fired the coach a couple of years ago. Messi wanted out last year. They're, you know, I'm guessing Neymar is going to be out here soon. The, there's some turnover here recently, so maybe it's, you know, kind of aligned with the Patriots to some to some level. If you kind of look at these years, Scott, 2004, 2005, 8, 9, 10, 12, 14, 15, 17, 18. Those are all league championships for FC Barcelona. That is essentially the dominance of the Patriots, if you, if you think about it. And it's funny that they're both going to have a Brady-Messi split almost simultaneously. Um, it's nuts. You can keep going. All the different divisions, the, the Champions League, the, the, the Super Cups, it's, they've been a part of all of this stuff. So he has been certainly the dominant force, but... 
it's just staggering numbers. And we, we can't compare to that. We, we can't compare to it because, and we're going to get in t- touch on it a little bit, actually with A-Rod now that you mentioned it. But, you know, it's a different world because the ability to market and brand is built into the base salary there. It's a part mm-hmm. of the, the valuation of the franchise, which then in turn valuates the transfer fees. Right? How much is a player worth based on how much he can actually bring into the club and, and raise the value of the club, in turn then trickling it down? It's all one big pipeline there, whereas here it's there's an owner who's super rich. There's a couple of players who are worth being super rich. There's a bunch of players that are probably going to be semi-rich, right? And it's all separate, as we're going to talk about with baseball. There's a union. There's an ownership level. And they got to they got to come together at some point to make this league actually happen. But financially speaking, it's like a one and done situation. Forty nine percent goes to the players and that's it. But that's not how it works with European soccer. It's if Messi brings in X dollars of revenue himself and they track that there's a player value on every single player in European soccer. There are literally mathematical calculations that do this. And based on what you're worth, that is generally how not not only how much you're going to make, but that in turn makes sponsorship bonuses for FC Barcelona, for the league, for the, all of that, for the city. It's community based too, so it's there's just so much into it that you know we see that the fan base has such a passionate fan base. This is why it's <laughs> you know we have the Green Bay Packers who are basically you know fan owned in terms of stock and. We kind of laugh at that, but that's exactly how the entire European Soccer Federation is run, essentially. It is this close-knit community where the finances kind of go up and down, and you have to be able to sell yourself as much as you have to be able to win over there. And this has been the, the, the I mean, outside of Ronaldo, who the heck is more, more marketable? And Ronaldo's only probably more marketable because of the way he looks. And he's turned himself into a physical presence, not just a soccer presence. So this is it. I mean, this is the kind of numbers you get when you're in that kind of system and you are the best. This is where we are. This is the new bar in terms of global team sport spending. And this is just unprecedented. It, it, the numbers, even for us, Scott, who sit here and geek out on this stuff mm-hmm. for four, the past 14 years, this is mind-boggling stuff. All right. You want to get to a little bit less money? <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. Let's move on. We have an agreement of a trade. We have to start with that. This is more than a month away from being an actual official trade. Yes, Schefter drops the bomb on, July, on January 30th. Jared Goff going to Detroit. Matthew Stafford going to L.A. But again, March 17th, 4 p.m. Eastern. That's when it actually will become official. There is a ton of time for San Francisco to get in there and make a better offer. There's a ton of time for the Colts to make a better offer. It's almost certainly not going to happen because this is a pretty damn good deal for Detroit. But... Um, there's time. It's absolutely has not been sent to the league office for, for final processing. So let's get that out of the way before I go down my geek bullet list here of, and, and partial partial rant. Just give me your thoughts. You saw the tweet, the, the tweet come in last night late. Uh, you kind of pushed it my way to get me on board with it. What was your initial thinking the second you saw it? Wow. Um, I mean, I, the, the rumors had been there. I didn't expect it to come through when it did uh so that's that was my initial take was like wow we're, we're dropping this on a saturday night at eight o'clock or whatever time it came through um i i think it's a 
a need that the Rams had to do. And if Stafford can play to the level that he is, it's an upgrade over golf, at least from the last, you know, season and a half that they've had him. Um, and I, I saw this morning that the new head coach says we're in a two to three year process and that starts now. So golf essentially is a stopgap for two years and then they're going to go from there. So, you know, uh, sorry, Lions fans, but it sounds like you're going to be losing at least two seasons unless something miraculous happens outside of that. Okay. That's not a bad place to transition off of. So I'll start with golf. Yeah, it's, it's not a secret. It shouldn't be a secret. Let's get this out of the way. This is not Brock Osweiler. Okay, this is not the L.A. Rams sending multiple picks along with the quarterback that they hate just to get him off the roster. It's part of it. But if Matthew Stafford isn't available, I'm not sure that they make this move. I think they're probably going to have Jared Goff in the quarterback room in 2021, unless Watson became available and, and that was an option. But my, my point here is, this move doesn't happen if they can't upgrade the position. That's not the Brock Osweiler situation. That was Cleveland taking it off, taking him off of Houston's hands because Houston literally did not want him, did not even want a quarterback at that time. That was it. Was just get this cash off of our payroll, and we'll send you a pick to go with it. I know it smells like that's what this is. It's just not for a lot of the reasons you said it and a couple more I can give you here. Number one is Stafford's an upgrade. You said it. There's no reason for us to believe he's not. He's been an excellent quarterback, above average at least, on a bad teams. No run games, bad offensive lines, limited wide receivers, and underachieving tight ends, even though they've drafted tight ends high <laughs> like three times in, in his 12-year career there. Um for some reason or another, the roster development just has not been there. It just hasn't been there. It's not like players are leaving Detroit and becoming superstars elsewhere. You know, that's not happening either. So it's just been bad drafts, bad drafts, bad free agent moves. The defense has been tenable at times there, which has kept them in playoff contention a bunch of seasons. But for lack of a better term, we haven't seen the best of Stafford yet. And that's exactly what Sean McVay is saying, had been saying internally. And he's going to get his chance now to play with that new toy. It's an upgrade. Jer and I realize they're both number one overall picks. I realize Jared Goff has been to a Super Bowl, has had playoff success, including this past season. Jared Goff is not trash, <laughs> okay? He's not. He's not trash. But Jared Goff had the, the benefit of or the lack of benefit of falling out of favor because of a couple of injuries with a coach and a, and a GM that absolutely don't don't wait around. They are not patient with anything right now and good for them. Todd Gurley would have been on the Rams on 31 other rosters last year, Scott. The Rams said, no, 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 we're going to eat this because we need that roster spot and that cash right now because our defense is the best in the league because we're going to make it better with Jalen Ramsey because we've got, we, we gave up a first to get Brandon cooks in here. Now I realize they moved on from him too. My point is, that's a Rams organization right now that is not afraid to, they're not too prideful to admit that they made mistakes. Or, let me say it better, too prideful to hang on to somebody one year too long. A mistake so many franchises make. I'm sure in your hometown or, or wherever you've been out there, you've had an instance where even if it's a fan favorite player, you know 
there's probably one or two seasons too many for that player, and it's hurt the franchise. And when it's the quarterback position, you just can't do that anymore. That's why kudos to the Arizona for getting rid of Josh Rosen. You know, and look what happened with Cincinnati and Andy Dalton. That's an example right there of a good guy, a solid quarterback. You just can't hang on that long if it's not working. That's probably the first place to start now, you know? And I know it's easier to fire the coach. Sean McVay's not getting fired. He's just not. So if you can make a fix here, I give the Rams a ton of credit for fixing a wide, rec- a wide receiver one, a, w- a running back one, and now a QB one in successive years, even though the dead cap was ridiculous, because from a football standpoint, they could upgrade it, and they've done it. Drafting Cam Akers, signing Cooper Cup and Robert Woods to smaller but good deals that, that both help them financially and from a football standpoint, and drafting Van Jefferson, an eventual replacement for maybe one of these current roster players. The, the, the needle has continued to move, and, and it's been a fluid situation in L.A., in LA. and this is not going to be a love fest for the Rams. So I'm going to let you speak a little bit, and then I'm going to come back, and I'm going to crush the Rams, okay? <laughs> um, but give me, give me your thoughts on the compensation, knowing what we know now. Obviously, they didn't have a first to give this year, and you're welcome to take that part of it if you want. I've listed it out for you kind of nicely here. Why don't you talk about the, what the Rams have given up, not just here, but in the past few years in, the, in terms of their draft? Well, well, let's start with Stafford. They gave up a third this year plus a first in 2022 and a first in 2023. Now, if that's what you're trading for Matt Stafford, then – the Annie is going to go up for Deshaun Watson because he's younger, more mobile, list out everything else that he's done. Can I cut in real quick on you here? Yeah, go ahead. I'm pretty positive this trade means Deshaun Watson is not getting traded. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I think the nail's in the coffin on that. And and let me tell you why. If you're going to give up tons of future draft like this, now maybe Houston wasn't interested in golf, which is obviously a big part of this. But you're going to choose Watson over over Stafford here. Yes, so why wouldn't the Rams at least have waited out hope on Watson? They must know. To me, that that's how I'm reading this. Not not just that the dead cap is high for Houston, but my, my take is Houston's not going to trade Deshaun Watson. This not, there's no there's no fire with their, where there's smoke out there right now at all. This to me, this is going to be the big move of the offseason. Aaron Rodgers isn't going. Deshaun Watson isn't going. So. Before you go down that path too hard, I, I, I truly think that's now the case. So let's say this is the best trade that happens this offseason in terms of the quarterback. Two firsts okay. and a third. Is that crazy or is it probably right in line with what you were thinking? Mm, probably right in line with what I was thinking. Yeah. Well, what does it mean for the Rams draft situation? Yo, you, you know, th- that that's a great point because what they gave up uh, a 2024 first a 2020 first 2021 first so two first for Jalen Ramsey they give up two of their first for Matt Stafford um you know they're 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 going the route of the anti-draft in trying to go the veteran presence and I you know it's sort of like if I can transition this to like the NBA sort of like LeBron with all the the veterans and bringing in all the veterans and who cares about the drafts right now we want to bring I want to have this conversation this is such a good take and I haven't heard it put that way yet but 
here's how I, let me give it this side of it and then we'll go back to the NBA side of it. To me, this is this is how big markets are going to operate in the NFL now. That's what the Rams are saying out loud. We don't need to guess on the number 31 pick because we're going to be so good that those picks aren't going to mean a damn thing to us. Now, of course, you get good players late in the, in the first round or late in the second round, but they're saying we love our defense so much right now that we don't, I don't want to have to take a chance on cornerback from Ohio State drafted number 27 overall. If Jalen Ramsey's available on the trade block, whatever it takes, just go get him. That's our guy. They've done the same thing now with Matt Stafford. Okay, yeah, there's three or four quarterbacks in this draft that look pretty darn good. We could take one, number 25, wherever they're going to be. I don't know where they are in terms of their first. They didn't have it anyway because of Ramsey. Next year, for instance, you know, whatever. if there's a couple of quarterbacks next year late in the first that they could snag and then replace Goff and his guaranteed contract at that point. That could have been. That's probably the route the majority of NFL management would go. You know, well, we got to keep Goff for one more year because he's fully guaranteed this year. We'll, we don't have a first. We'll get our quarterback next year when we have our first. That's not what the Rams did here. The Rams, again, no patience. Let's go get our guy. That guy's in the trade block. That guy's better than our guy. Whatever it takes, go get him. We win right now. That's LeBron. You're exactly right. And LeBron doesn't just do it in the offseason. Whenever this trade deadline comes around in the NBA this March, if there's a hole in his roster, he's already in the year of Mitch Kupchak. He's our, our Rob, Rob, the, uh, the GM Blanca. there. Yeah, Rob Blanca. Yeah, Blanca. He's already been in his ear saying, hey, this guy's not, not holding it up. Start finding me four or five options. We got to replace this thing at the deadline. That's how LeBron works. He doesn't give a rat's behind about first-round picks. Never has. Never has because kids don't win championships in the NBA. That's exactly the model the Rams are taking here. Is that not correct? Yeah, win now. Do what you need to now. Um, yeah, it, it, it. And I'll go this route too. You know, the season is six months away. Let's say fans can get in there. You know, from financial sense, the jersey sales, new the stadium. Of that, they haven't even opened stadium. that new stadium yet. That's a great right. point. But, and the way Goff finished that year and performed. Th- that name is not going to necessarily bring people into that stadium. Now you bring Matt Stafford, you get new Jersey sales. People are going to buy those jerseys. And that is one thing that, you know, the NFL is probably sort of hoping for with, you know, getting some of that money back is these trades because if Watson goes to a new team, say New York for lack of a better team, you know, if he goes to the jets, the jersey sales in New York are going to go astronomical sure. for for him. So that is one thing. But, yeah, that, that stadium that will open and they're going to bank on having fans. They want the fans there. But you want to have that new, quote-unquote, flashy quarterback that you're going to bring in, a name that is going to bring the fans, bring the, you know, revenue in the, in the gift shop and everything else. Yeah. So um, – yeah, there's no question that they're they're all in committed here. There's there's no question about it. And, you know, it's why many think I was haphazard in saying it last week. I'll say it again right now. If Deshaun Watson is really on the trade block, the team I had the Rams as an option for him, but the other team is the Saints. It's the exact same scenario. That's why they restructure and keep pushing cap down the line. They don't give a rat's behind about what it means in two years because right now this team is NFC championship worthy. And if... Drew Brees retires and Taysom Hill isn't the next guy and they don't really want to re-sign Jameis Winston as a project 
but you have the opportunity to acquire Deshaun Watson for whatever, three firsts, who cares? You do it. Sean Payton's going to do it because his legacy is now on the line with phase two of this process. So it's not going to be, in my opinion, Deshaun Watson's not going to Carolina. He's not going to the Jets. He's going to a team, a significant contender, you know, and it could be Pittsburgh if, if you want to put that in this, in, into this conversation, although they've got way less pieces now. But that's why the Rams are the Rams and have been for the past five, six years. And, and the Saints have been the Saints for 12 years because they don't take chances at the most important spots. They don't screw around with, <laughs> you know, there are places for rookies to be. And QB1 is probably not one of them. You know what I mean? RB1, mm-hmm. let's do it. Every three years, let's do it, RB1. But even there, yeah. you know, they, they've, the good teams have made some decisions on that. But I think your point is extremely valid. And the LeBron side of this is perfect. It's well, exactly right. And, and I wouldn't even be surprised, Scott, if he has, if, if that whole process that LeBron has created, over the, that culture he's created over the t- past 10 years, has trickled out into these other sports. If people have understood, like, like what are we doing? Like, we because you know, God, ten years ago when we were having these conversations, Scott, it was all about well, you can't mortgage your future. You can't put, you know what I mean? You can't do something, <laughs> yep. something right now that's going to kill you in four years. Everybody's going to be fired in four years. Sports yep. is so different. You just can't do that. You can't think like that anymore. So, you know, you want to you want to consider value and blah blah blah, but there's not that's not happening here. That's not happening with this golf Stafford move. Yeah, in in. To add upon that, teams, they want to, you know, some some are always in that rebuild mode, and we're going to push it down, like you said, four years, five years. But I think we're starting to see a shift in team sports in the United States where we're going to do what we need to to win now. And Dan made a great point back on our end-of-year review when he asked, wouldn't you give anything to have – at least that one championship with the Mets right now, because you'll remember it forever. And, you know, think, think of the Toronto Raptors. They made that move for Kawhi Leonard and it changed the mentality. Yes. They had a crazy shot that bounced four times and then went in. But the fact that they won the championship will go down in forever. Everyone that is a Toronto fan and an NBA fan will remember that championship forever. Now, if Stafford can is the missing link that they need, look at Tampa Bay. They they brought on it wasn't a trade, but they they signed Tom Brady and look at where they are. They they made it. They took a chance. They made some other acquisitions, but they had the guys around them that were needed. You know, the Rams they have that defense. They have weapons on the offensive side. Bring in the quarterback that you think is going to be that yeah. that changer, and we see it every year. There are four or five new teams every year in the playoffs. Now the Rams are in the playoffs; they can get back there again and and yeah. have that chance. But every year, so much changes because of how the NFL is structured, where you can you can make these trades now. Then you have a free agency period that is before the draft, and then you have the draft to fill in the needs that you need to after the fact. And UDFAs, which are now a huge part of it, it keeps going. It keeps going and going and and going. And and then the last part I'll add is that's different than all the other sports is the NFL has this pre-6-1 versus this (laughs) post-6-1. 
So my question, and I know the answer is they're going to process it right away, but is there even a 5% chance that they would say, let's make this a post 6-1 trade? I know they want to get them in the door and learn the, the playbook and all of that and, and for cap reasons, but is there even any chance for, on a financial sense, that they would make this trade and wait until June, or is this going to be something that they're going to uh, – handle right away just to get it out off the books you know i'm not inside that room but i can't imagine that sean mcveigh would allow you know something like this to hang out there for that long right yeah and i don't think it would either versus getting you know that quarterback in into mini camps and things like that and and letting it rock so i i uh the, the yes there's there's cap to be saved to some degree in terms of splitting it up over two years. And they, you know, they did designate Todd Gurley a post six, one release last year. You can't do that with the trade. You know what I mean? It's either you actually, you process it now or you process it then. And if you wait, everything has to wait. And I just don't think that's, that's going to happen because of the position that Goff and Stafford play. It's just too important to not have this happen immediately. This is a March 17th, 4 PM trade. Is there, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, you mentioned the savings. Is there, based on the contract that you see, do you think Stafford is going to, once traded, restructure the remaining two years? you think they're going to just play it out? Um, uh, I've already heard rumblings that uh, they're going to play it out, at least for this year. Now, what that means is they're not going to rip it up and start over. My guess is the Rams end up having to restructure that $20 million, that $19 million salary. To, to save a little bit of cap space because they are, you know, in a little bit of hell here and there's more moves to be made for sure. So I, my guess is that the cap number drops somehow in terms of a restructure, but it doesn't sound like they're giving him, you know, a four year, $150 million extension here. That's probably yeah. coming after this season. But uh, one, yeah, last, one last thing on this guy, cause you said a lot of great things there before, uh, before we kind of switched gears change is the ultimate word for me. If you think about the teams that have had success recently in the NFL and think about now where they are right now, for instance, let's use the Eagles, that weird Nick Foles, Carson Wentz situation, but just the roster as a whole, almost everyone on that squad right now, uh, you know, until March is the Super Bowl squad. They didn't change anything significant from that team. And while you can sit here and say, well, of course not, they were successful. Why not just see, see if you can recreate that? I, I think what we've learned from all sports of late is that's generally a bad recipe. And let me tell you a team that just did that, the Chiefs. And the Chiefs are about to repeat most likely. They're the betting favorites to repeat as Super Bowl champions. But just as kind of like a final thought here on this, what's going to happen next year with that Kansas City team? when a lot of these cap hits get higher and what the Eagles did, I can tell you next year is they just started restructuring the hell out of Zach Ertz and Fletcher Cox and Carson Wentz and, and players like that. And Elshon Jeffrey, you know, everyone kind of played ball, restructured, moved some cap down the line because they wanted to keep this thing intact. And if you think about what the Rams, you know, everything I just laid out, Brandon cooks gone, Todd Gurley gone, Jared Goff gone, Clay Matthews gone. Um, you know, the list goes on and on. And really there's, there's the, the la- when the Rams made the Super Bowl <laughs> versus who the Rams are today, 
are com- two completely different teams. And the Rams just made the playoffs, two rounds of the playoffs this past season, a couple, couple of weeks ago. So my point is that be, that organization showing us that they are all in on winning, but also all in on being fluid, that to me seems like the recipe for success. And now I know they don't have the Super Bowl victory yet. This, you know, this regime doesn't have it. But I worry that teams fall in love with each other and use the cap as a crutch to keep themselves around too much. And I'm going to give the, the Rams some credit here for, for making the moves when they've made the moves. I'm going to say this to finish. We've talked about it a lot. The structure of the Rams contracts is ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous that we're sitting here having to lay out the contract details for Jared Goff. And I'm discussing the fact that a year four roster bonus is already fully guaranteed on his contract. And it happened last year. We talked about it last year when it, when it hit. It's an unbelievable move by the agent that he was able to, to get this much, a two-year advantage guarantee on Jared Goff. You know, 26-year-old, 25-year-old Jared Goff when this contract was signed. And look, Carson Wentz has the same structure. Two, year, two years ahead, he's got a roster bonus guaranteed. He's got a, a salary guaranteed. The dead cap situation were very similar in terms of total dead cap. But Peter Schrager made an unbelievable point on Twitter that I, ha- I retweeted with, with a little bit more info on, and, and I want to put it out there on here as well. Those two contracts, while they look very, very similar because of how much dead cap the teams are dealing with, and there's a reason why Jared Goff got traded yesterday and Carson Wentz is almost certainly not going to be traded. And it's the nuts and bolts of those contracts. So Jared Goff, while, he, while he's got dead cap set in next year, a $15.5 million roster bonus fully guaranteed right now, and all of 2021 is already fully guaranteed, it's, it's base salary, it's roster bonus, which means when you trade him, it goes to the new team. So those guarantees are now 100% Detroit's problem. They're not the Rams' problem anymore. There's no dead cap from those guarantees. The only dead cap the Rams took on was the original signing bonus and a, and a restructure they did in 2020 to save themselves a little bit of cap space last year. That's what's sitting. That's the $22.2 million sitting on the Rams' cap for this year. And then they're done with him. There's no 2022 dead cap. Carson Wentz has a signing bonus, an option bonus, and that's double bonus dead cap. That doesn't get moved in a trade. That, that, um, that remains with the Eagles no matter what they do to him. That's why Carson Wentz can't be moved, and Jared Goff was fairly easily moved. Two different structures. So while the Rams are aggressive in their future guarantees, they give themselves this out right here because it's a roster bonus and not an option bonus or not multiple restructures, things like that. The Eagles get themselves so pot committed with bonus dead cap that there's just no way out. There was no way out of Elshon Jeffrey this year, even though he didn't belong on anyone's roster, let alone the Eagles. There was no way out of Zach Ertz. There was no way out of Carson Wentz. It's just that little thing, that little maneuver that the agent gets over on the team. And it's brilliant because there's so much stability with it, but it's really damning. I mean, if players want to be able to be moved... And that's we're going we're to switch gears here to baseball to a player that has been dying to get out of Colorado for years, you know, and, and, and we've talked about the control part of it, the LeBron part of it, right? I mean, how he changed the landscape of the NBA with 
you know, give yourself outs, give yourself the ability to move because being somewhere you don't want to be for, for too long can just destroy you. Well, you know, that's what you have to think about when you're signing contracts that can contain tons of dead cap in year two and year three. What if you hate it? What if, what if you're Deshaun Watson? What if Deshaun Watson's contract looks like Carson Wentz's and had an option bonus that paid out this year? And, and Houston would have had $50 million of dead cap instead of $21 million of dead cap. Then, then we can't even have the discussion of, is he going to get moved? Because the contract would absolutely say, no way. So when you're going out there to sign these massive contracts, I, I think the, the, the ability to be moved within that contract has to really start to become to the forefront. Because, again, players shouldn't be thinking about eight years with one team anymore either. Just like teams aren't thinking about you know, how are we going to win for the next seven years? They're thinking about how we're going to win this year and maybe next year, and that's it. So the structure really, really matters, and this is an example right here, right in our face. Jared Goff out, Carson Wentz staying, coach fired. Uh, this is because of, of contract structure, singularly contract structure. Anything else on this, man? No, I'm interested to see how this plays out. Remember uh, a couple of years ago when we got on this podcast and said, you know what? I wonder if Sean McVay is going to be that wonder kid coach who comes in and never pays the quarterback. Remember we said that? Mm-hmm. Never extend him. Five-year rookie contract, franchise tag, kick him to the door, start over again. Think yep. they would have liked to do that? <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's going to do it. Somebody's going to do yeah. it. Somebody's going to break Because look, at guess what? Guess where Jared Goff would have been on his rookie contract? He would have been completing his fifth-year option. 50, mm. 50 million, 50.7 over five years, he would have completed his fifth-year option last year. They wouldn't have even gotten to the franchise tag. He'd be an yeah. unrestricted free agent right now. And, and this is why we, we've said not only in the NFL but in the NBA, you know, don't, if you don't need to extend super early, yeah, Paul George, don't right. do so yeah. because we've, we've seen it with, you know, the John Wall contract, you know, it, Damian Lillard, he's playing at a, a high level, but they, they've extended him and extended him. And, you know, some of these guys, if it, it, it can strap you. So teams need to really. Well, let's revise that because look, Lamar, it sounds like Lamar's getting a contract. It sounds like Baker's getting a contract. I haven't heard. Allen. I'm guessing Allen's going, you know, seven for 300 in terms of five new years on the, on the end of his rookie contract. Let's put this public service announcement out there. If you're going to do it early, which it sounds like that's just how it works now, make it a golf contract and not a Wentz contract. Yeah. Just save yourself in that regard. Cause by the end of that rookie contract in 2021, you may want out and he may want out. So just give yourself that ability. Give yourself the ability to at least field trade offers uh, whereas Carson Wentz, that's really not a, it's a pipe dream at this point. All right, let's, let's talk some baseball, man. Nolan Arenado, the all-star gold glove third baseman, one of my favorite players. I just love the way this kid plays ball. Always have. I, w- I had an inkling of hope that he would be on the New York Mets at some point, but they've, uh, they've certainly done other things this year to, to kind of sweeten that pot. He ends up in St. Louis, we think. It's not official yet. There's a lot of kind of bells and hoops to get over, one of which he has to waive his no-trade clause. I know you've got questions on this. Why don't we just kind of go down your thoughts, your questions, and sort of lay out the, you know, uniqueness, creativity of what's about to happen with his contract because it's a lot of money and there's a lot of kind of uh, conceptual riders built into this thing. Yeah, there are. And, you know, when 
when you're reading all the information and it says, oh, approval of MLB and the PA because of, you know, a list of five different things, you know, it, it makes you like, what is going on here? I mean, the fact that Colorado is sending $50 million to St. Louis, but then I read Arenado is going to defer that $50 million. And then the fact that he has a no trade clause, he waived it, but then he's going to, he's negotiated to get the no trade clause back on the contract. And he still had, he keeps the opt out for 2021 and 2022. And on top of it, he gets an extra $15 million guaranteed on the contract. So as I'm reading all of this, I'm scratching my head because I, I I'm pretty sure that between Major League Baseball and the Players Association, they have an agreement that, con- or within the CBA that contracts cannot be renegotiated where it makes the overall value of the contract go down. Now, in this case, it would go up, but the fact that he's waiving it and then they're saying he renegotiated it back into the contract, it, it, it makes it sound like it's a, a, a complete you know, he's opting out, but then renegotiating a new extension where he's getting the no trade clause and this extra money. Is that how you're perceiving it? There's there's a bunch of ways to look at this. And obviously, without being in the room, it's hard to understand what exactly is being said here. Um, you you kind of hit all the points and I'll try to put them in order of how I think the operations are happening here. So the he the original contract had. 275 over nine years. He's played out two of those years. So we were talking about essentially, actually, excuse me, it was less than that. So it was actually an eight-year contract. Two of those years played out. So we had six for 199 left on this contract. Now you're asking, why did they add on another year with $15 million? And is that even possible? Yes, it's possible. And yes, it was required. Let me, let, me, let me give you my assessment on this. So because they're going to take the $50 million and defer most of it from what I'm hearing, number one, that's a cash move. And you're going to see a lot of this. And oh, by the way, it's possible for, for players within a current contract to do that, to walk up to the owner and say, hey, I want to help you out from a cash standpoint this year. I'm supposed to make 10. Let's convert five of it to a signing bonus over the next three years. And do it that way. Paid out, you know, one one this year, two the, two next year, two two the year after that. Really doesn't move the needle on the con- overall value of the contract at all. Doesn't move the needle on the luxury tax per se. All it does is literally saves the owner four million cash this year. Okay, I think we're going to see quite okay. a bit of this because of the situation we're in, coming off of the pandemic season, heading into another pandemic season. I, so there is room to manipulate in that regard pushing cash down the line. Now, where it gets interesting is m- many of these deferred payments, if they're paid after the contract expires, you know, like Christian Yellick is going to be, Yellich is going to be paid until 2042 <laughs> because of deferred payments. Um, a lot of times there's interest built into that. You know, whether they take out one, per- it's 1% interest added on, 5% interest added on. So that's where you have to be careful about, are, are, have you actually reduced you know, have, have you taken 50? Because what if it goes down? What if there's a negative kickback? You got to be careful that you don't reduce the overall value of that contract 
my guess is, Scott, that the 15 million tacked on to the end was three things. Number one, it was a good grace move because Arenado is going to defer a ton of money here and save the owner. So you want to make sure that the player gets some kickback and the agent gets some kickback. So that's step one. Number two, they wanted to cover themselves in case that deferred money loses value at any point in time. So you had to, you had to add on some money to make sure you don't go under the original agreement. And number three, you had to renegotiate with new dollars so that he could then re-obtain the no-trade clause. Because once you use it on a current contract, generally speaking, it has expired. Okay? So he mm -hmm. had to basically renegotiate this contract in order to slap himself a new one. And... And in doing that, he, he also earned himself a second opt-out. So now he's got the opt-out for after this season. He's got himself another opt-out after next season, which St. Louis basically laughs at. He's not going anywhere. He's going to be happy. They gave him more money. He decided to play ball with the deferred payments. He's going to an organization that loves him, that, he, that they think will, he will love. Um, to me, it's just a good fit. And there's a lot of hoops and semantics built into this thing, yes, but I think the, the overall and the overarching reasoning for it is cash. It's just, hey, you know, I don't want to put $35 million of cash into my third baseman this year because, you know, there's not going to be anybody in the stands behind him, <laughs> quite frankly. And uh, we're going to start seeing a lot of this with a lot of these existing contracts. You know, hey, we got, we got to convert some of this out in terms of 2021 cash payments, push it down the line either after the fact or down to a couple of years later, just to cover our butts here from a financial standpoint. So this is a common thing. And I've actually I looked up a couple of examples, Scott. And he, here's the most creative one. I remember this, but, you know, so many things happen. It goes by the wayside. So, so Alex Rodriguez, a Scott Boris client, of course. Boris is in the, at, the, at the center of a lot of these amended contracts over the years. And rightfully so. He's, he's a genius with a lot of this stuff. So he... Uh, he, he, he had the $252 million contract with the Rangers and uh, he deferred 45 million of it. And then he tried to do it again. He tried to, he tried to renegotiate again year four, I think, and then facilitate himself a trade to the Red Sox. Do you remember this when he was trying to get himself out of Texas and into Boston? And then he ended up in New York as a Yankee as kind of like plan B. Right. But the deal to go to Boston included a, a renegotiated contract basically took $30 million off the back end. Like I, I'll cut 30 million of it in exchange for marketing and logo rights with Boston, which means, cause he was, he was going to become the home run King. He was, you remember there was going to be a lot going yep. on in terms of him as, as mm -hmm. an individual player accomplishments. So he basically wanted the ability to use his team's name and marketing logo and, and rights to promote the hell out of himself and earn obviously way more than $30 million by using the, the rights of major league baseball to promote his own accomplishments, which is such an A-Rod move uh, or maybe a Boris move. I don't know, but obviously major league baseball nixed that. That was a little bit too creative, but th this is the level of creativity that these air quote renegotiations can get to when you're agreeing to move money around and the point with Boris, and he said it quite a bit, is, you know, it can happen, but the second you do it, you weaken the contract. You weaken the current standard of the contract, obviously the current year of the contract. So in order to accept something like that, 
there always has to be something given back. Don't ever just give this away. Even if you, if it sounds great that in 2040, you'll be making, th- you know, two, Bobby Bonilla money, you know, even if that sounds great and eventually it's going to be great when you're 60 and still making money from the Yankees. But the, the point is don't give up anything right now just to help out the front office. You know, they, they do enough of their own work where they don't, they don't need you handing out money to them. So that's, that's how I interpret this Arenado situation is, yeah, he's happy to, to renegotiate, to move some things down the line, but he's going to get himself another opt out just in case it's a train wreck this next couple of years. And he's going to get himself his no, no trade clause back because he wants control. And he's going to add on $15 million just for some security and because he can. So that's how I look at it, Scott. This is kind of a, mm. a power move from Arenado and his agent to make sure that his contract stays as strong as it was last year as a, as a member of the Rockies. Okay. I got two questions. Okay. One, the 35 that he'll make this year, plus that extra 15 that they're adding on equates to that 50 million. So does that mean if they're saying it's going to be deferred, does that mean he'll make just the minimum probably this year or would they reduce cash across the remaining years to equate to the 35 plus the extra 15 no, normally i would say work? they'd spread that out and take like 10 away from the next you know 5 years and just go with that that's that's usually how we see deferral payments ha- happen is you want to take a little bit away from every single year to help you out but because of the situation we're in right now i, I would imagine that a lot of that money is coming out of 2021 to lower the cash payment right now okay. um, you know maybe all of it maybe right down to a minimum and that's what he's going to make for the, for 2021 but uh, you know, obviously, without seeing the numbers, I can't I can't speak to that 100. percent right. But I would I would I would guess because of the situation we're in that much of the deferrals happening this year, yeah. All right. So my second question is, how does this affect the competitive balance tax now that you know it, it, a there's deferrals in there, b you've got that extra year where the AAV has gone up. Yep. So does does. How does that affect? Because do, do I can't remember. Do, do deferrals count towards the luxury tax if or not? So they they would if they were done at the time of the original signing. So that you can have it so that deferred money lowers the overall cost of the original contract. But now that we're in the middle of this thing, my guess is that's not going to be the case. It shouldn't affect the luxury tax at all. This is literally just a cash move, uh, moving cash out of 2021, maybe 2022 just because of the situation that we're in. I wouldn't expect the, the payroll to lower at all, no. Um, if it's retained money, it, it depends on how it's structured. If it's retained money, so for instance, my, the Marlins retained a ton of Giancarlo Stanton's money, that's a different scenario. So, you know, the Yankees are benefiting from that, certainly from a, from a tax payroll as well, where Stanton's, you know, contract should be astronomical, but it's down to 22 million a year instead of what it should be, which is, you know, one of the biggest contracts in the history of baseball. So, um, yeah, they're getting about 3 million saved. The Yankees are saving about 3 million on their CBT because of those that retain money. It's possible that Arenado's money comes down, that the CBT does end up coming down based on the language of that deferred money. So I'm not going to say that it's set in stone that it won't, um, and look, if, if the Cardinals want to keep adding pieces, that's a way to go. You want to make sure that the language is, is structured properly there because, you know, there's a pitcher to add there still to make this a rounded out team. But if the deferrals do count, let me answer this question, Scott. If the deferrals do count, 
you could see his $30 million average salary down to 25, 24, if, mm. if they spread it out properly. But my guess is it's just a cash move at this point. Okay. Yep. Okay. You know, it, it, it's interesting when that trade came across and uh, we had just talked about them last week with Dan and, you know, the NL central there and how bad they were. Yep. And we just, we just got off talking about golf and Stafford and how the Rams, they're, they're going all in because, you know, do it now. It's sort of like St. Louis is doing the same kind of thing. We know this is a down division. We're going to make this move because it's going to give us an upgrade. You're getting a perennial third baseman who's been a stud yep. statistically. And, you know, you almost lock in that you're going to win this division to get into the postseason. Now, I, I looked up the odds for St. Louis for the World Series. They they went from plus 3,500 back on October 28th for FanDuel Sportsbook. And now, as of, you know, a couple hours ago when I looked, they're at, and that was 16th. Now they're at plus 2,400 and they're 10th now wow. for World Series odds. So they, they jumped six spots all because of this trade and other moves, but mostly because of this trade. Um, so, so that is, uh, that's significant for yeah. one player. It, it is. Yeah. Um, and I also looked up some stats because I was, I was curious to, to his war cause I knew it was relatively high. So I, I looked up the war for position players from 2016 through 2020. So five year span there, you know, the top five players in, in war, Three of them have been traded sure. in in Trout's number one, then Betts, then Arenado, then Ramirez, Jose Ramirez, and, and Lindor. Three of those guys have been traded, and you know we're we're seeing these guys. You know, Betts hadn't signed the extension until he got to the Dodgers. Lindor didn't sign until yep. you know he's probably going to sign him with the Mets. But you know, Arenado signed that extension. I, I'm curious to see. Arenado's Deshaun Watson. <laughs> That's what he is. Yeah, he is. <laughs> but but where I'm going with this is I'm I'm curious to see where some of these players in Major League Baseball go as far as these guys that are, have been young and signed those extensions in the last two or three years. Mm -hmm. Do they get to a point where they pull an Arenado and say, "I don't want to be here anymore. I want to move." And we see nothing some would make me happier. Nothing would make me happier than Mike Trout saying, get me out of here. Get me onto the, Do just send me across town to the Dodgers for whatever the heck it takes. Just get it done. Because two things, number one, I want to see Mike Trout win, win a world series. Number two, it would force the issue of con control inside of baseball contracts for players. It would force it. It would force it. The teams have so much, Yes, the players are getting guaranteed money. They're they're winning in terms of cash here, but they're losing in terms of the fact that Bryce Harper's on a 13-year contract right now in Philadelphia. You know, a, a team's projected to be fourth in the National League East. So, I, you know, unless they start forcing their way out, either out of these contracts with opt-outs or out of their current city and under contenders, and it's not a surprise that these players are only going to contenders. It's not a surprise. And, no, and oh, by all. the way, the Cardinals now become Trevor Bauer candidates easily, easily. Why wouldn't he go to this team? This team's going to win the division almost, you know, without even blinking. So control is so important right now with these player contracts. And, and I, I hate to ring that bell too much here, but, you know, 
there's nothing more important than the quarterback. We're starting to see them start to flex their arms a little bit with that stuff. There's nothing more important in baseball than being elite <laughs> because everybody else is just getting dragged through the mud financially. So these elite players have to start flexing and not with dollar signs. It's got to be this kind of creativity because if you want to win and get ma- make a lot of money, that's easier said than done right now in baseball. And that's what I would hope changes the most in this next iteration of CBA, that some LeBron James inside that room, you know, I'm not sure who that is in baseball. Maybe it is Harper. You know, maybe Harper does have a good sense with this stuff and he can be the one to ring the bell for everybody else and say, hey, we got to bring everybody up, everybody up financially in terms of cost per year and control. We want movement. We want flexibility. You know, we want good pitchers to be on good teams. We don't want Baltimore Orioles and Cleveland Indians spending 20 million a payroll. We got to set some sort of floor so that even, you know, good players on bad teams can still get compensated properly. I you know, that's where I hope this goes, Scott. And, and it starts with great players getting traded. And unfortunately, that's that's just how this has worked, you know. Well, and St. Louis has done that. I mean, they traded for Paul Goldschmidt. Goldschmidt. Yep. Um, yep. In Ozuna, he was a couple years ago. So, I mean, they're not they're a team that's not afraid to make make the trade, especially if it's going to get them into the postseason as, like you just said, you know, it's almost – a guarantee unless some of these other teams decide they want to show up and play. Um, I, I, I give, I give the team kudos for making the trade. I mean, we saw, you know, yes, the Yankees made a trade for Stanton and we all killed it, but you know, I, I I've always been on here and I've always said, I want to see a team at least try to take, sure. you know, a risk and a calculated risk. And at least the St. Louis Cardinals are taking the risk of bringing on that player. Yes. You know, it, he could decline in production, but I, I doubt that because St. Louis, you know, they run and do their analytics and know mm-hmm. what they want to do. But I, the Mets, they traded for Lindor. They took a, a calculated risk in the fact that, you know, he could be a free agent and walk away and, and not want to resign at all. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad we're seeing some teams take the chance of acquiring these players for the fact of, we want to win now, yeah. not I'm going to make this trade so that I can acquire prospects that aren't going to even play for five or six years or even at all and just push it down the line and, and, and be a horrible franchise. Basically a minor league team. Yeah. I yeah, mean, that's yeah. where it's where some of these franchises have to get to because of the small markets they're in. So, yeah, the, the big boys got to keep playing big. And we talked about that with the Yankees last week, but that that's sort of that. I really start, I'm starting to feel that way more than ever. Um, parody means less to me right now with Major League Baseball because it's it's a floundering sport from for a lot of reasons, especially eyeballs. So we need the big boys to step up and start spending some dollars. And this is a good example of that. I I, I consider the Cardinals, and not, not so much that they're financially a big, a large market, but they mean a heck of a lot to baseball. They're a huge baseball market. So the fact that they're playing here, that they're in, that they're invested in this offseason, it matters. It really does matter. And I hope there's another free agent to go with it. If it's not Bauer, you know, some sort of maybe number two, number three pitcher to sort of round off this offseason. Because you're right, they've they've got a clear path to the postseason here. And, oh, by the way, this is the team that didn't pay Albert Pujols. Didn't, didn't sign the contract that signed Pujols to a 42 years old. Arenado signed... Th- even with this extended year, is signed through age 36. That's yeah. perfectly tenable. 
Well, so there's something that they've, they've been on the right side of this now for a bunch of years. And, and uh, I mean, we can finish off on this. It was proposed that major league baseball goes to 154, but that expanded playoffs and DH are on the table for this new proposal. So breaking you know, news, they that, already declined it. Oh, did they really? Here's why. Okay. Here's why. And, and this was always the, the, the goal. Baseball put out the, 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 the A plus deal knowing that they were going to get the client so they, they can negotiate this thing down to where they want to be. It sounds like expanded playoffs is going to happen. So I know that's the point you were trying to make. So let's just yes. assume that that stays for 2021. It also sounds like the universal DH will be here for 2021. What, what the players want is they want the full 162. They may delay the season still, but they want the full 162. And the reason why is you go to 150 or 156 or 152 now, <laughs> and then we go renegotiate a CBA in 10 months. Now, yep. the, now the owners can say, well, look, we just had a, a successful season with less games. Why don't we mm-hmm. just always go that route? And all of a sudden, salaries come down. And you yes. have to make the playoffs to make any kind of salary back that you earned a year ago. So they don't want it. It's exactly the same. It's the Boris comment with the renegotiated contract, Scott. The second you show weakness, they'll pounce. So that's why they, they, they're going to, to decline that offer tomorrow morning and push for the 162. Sounds like the season may get delayed slightly for COVID reasons, and they can agree on that. And, but it also does sound like expanded playoffs and the DH should be here for 2021. But we'll see. So let me ask you this. You may not have heard or not. Um, so if they do continue the 162, I'm assuming that means and, – and they're pushing the season back a month – I'm assuming that that means more double headers. So Has have to. you heard anything where the seven, they're going to do the in. seven inning? It's in. It's in? It's okay. in. Yeah. I mean, not officially. It hasn't been officially voted on or processed. But that was, to me, I, I, from what I had read, Scott, that was immediately well-liked by everybody. And you're right. They're going to have to squeeze it in that way. So maybe Saturday doubleheaders, too, to be honest. Because you can't play in November. You just can't do it. No, not at all. And I, I would, I would assume you're probably they're probably gonna do something where you know every Sunday are double headers, and you know, yeah. like we've talked in the past, if you do that, then once you can get butts and seats, then you know it's just a consistent schedule that all right, every Sunday is a double header, and you might get more people to come. But it's not a bad um, year for a lot of Angel, Dodgers, Mets, Yankees double headers. It's not a bad year for that, and throw the Padres into that conversation too, right? Philly, right. the Phillies with New York. That's a lot of star power in your big cities that you could showcase on a long Sunday afternoon. So I, I hope that's the route they go for sure. Um, but I understand both sides of this. It's a, it's a tough year. Yep. There will be baseball though. All right. Good stuff. Um, we'll be back in a couple of days here, hopefully with more news on the NFL offseason. season. Uh, for, for those of you who haven't seen it yet, uh, I spent much of my morning yesterday building out the comprehensive quarterback guide in terms of the finances. This is uh, one of the bigger pieces I've ever done for the site. It's, it, is, it is a beast. Yeah, it is. It is every scenario, financially speaking, to trade, release, retirement for, I think, 22 quarterbacks. You know, obviously Staff and Stafford and Goff are on here. I've already X'd out the options that won't exist. So, you know, this is a trade before June 1st, essentially. Um, but every single, you know, Aaron Rodgers is here. Jordan Love is here. Derek Carr is here. Alex Smith, if your quarterback is even in question for next year, I've got him on this in this report, and it shows all the various scenarios financially, including what kind of contract goes to the new team if he's traded, what kind of dead cap stays back, 
uh, what happens in retirement scenarios, all those things. So uh, one of the bigger things I've done, it's, uh, there's a lot there. So any questions, any comments, suggestions, things like that, at Spotrek on Twitter. My thanks to The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash Spotrek. 40% off your first year subscription. Check out olbg.com, the online betting guide. Get in the NBA Pick'em Contest for free, win cash prizes, and get a, become a better gambler at the same time. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Track Podcast. <laughs>